the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Luke. Praise to the God who reigns above. Jesus has had his earthly ministry for three years up to this point in Luke. He knows the time has come to be betrayed, beaten, and crucified. Jesus began to celebrate the Passover feast with his disciples, instituting communion with the twelve, including Judas, who would betray him that night. Jesus washed the disciples' feet and prayed for them, but they still argued about who was the greatest amongst themselves. Jesus told them that to be great in the kingdom of God, you must be the least. To be the servant of all is to be greatest in the kingdom of God. We join Pastor Will in Luke chapter 22. When Jesus revealed that his betrayer at the Last Supper was one of them, one of the twelve, they began asking each other who they thought it was. And Peter looked at John and said, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's Thaddeus. He's got those beady eyes, you know. They started asking each other, who do you think it is? And it didn't take long for that discussion to turn into their favorite argument of who the best disciple was. Well, thankfully, Jesus interrupted that debate with a wonderful teaching on leadership. But as we move forward, I'm not sure that the disciples really understood Jesus' point. Because as they move forward, we see, like he says, take heed that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Take heed, this is a difficult time. You know, when they go into the garden just a few hours later and they fall asleep, you know, when they should be praying. I don't really know if anyone understood, but I can tell you for sure one especially didn't understand. Because Peter needed an additional lesson, one that would end up greatly humbling him. And in doing so, Jesus doesn't just prove that he knew Peter better than Peter knew himself, but he proves that he knows each of us the best. So Luke 22, verse 31, he has just told them that you're going to sit with me judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Stop arguing over who the greatest is. All of you are going to have an equal position in my kingdom. But then he turns to Peter and he says, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Now, when you have to call, I know in my house, when I have to call someone's name twice, it's because they're not listening. The word behold means listen up, pay attention. And my dad had to do that for me sometimes when, you know, my thoughts would glaze over as my dad was lecturing me on something. You know, I begin to think, if I just nod and smile, maybe he'll stop your mind is you're thinking, I don't want to hear this. Your mind starts to wander, right? And there'd be times when my dad would go, uh, hello? I, Jesus isn't doing it that way. But when he says, Simon, Simon, behold, it means, Simon, th- this is important. You need to pay attention. You need to listen up. He says, listen, Satan has desired to have you. The word there is you all. So it's all the disciples. Satan has desired to have you all. Jesus was flirted in that he may sift you as wheat. So he's getting Peter's attention, but he's saying, I'm talking to all you guys, 
But Peter, you need to listen because Satan wants to sift all you guys like wheat. Now the word desired there, it means to ask for something and to obtain it. So what did Satan ask God permission for and God granted that permission to do it? What did God give Satan permission to do to all the disciples? Well, it says to sift them as wheat. Sifting was the process of, of winnowing. You would use a winnowing fan to separate chaff from the wheat. You'd bring the wheat into the threshing floor and you would beat the wheat with the fan or, or you'd have the cattle walk on it to separate the, the grain from the husk of uh, you know, the, the stalk and everything like that that you would never use. And then the, with the winnowing fan, you would do that. And of course, the wheat being heavy wouldn't move, but the chaff, the stalk, the stuff you wouldn't use would get kind of dusted up and then go into a pile. And so the idea here is that he said, Satan has desired that he might take you and toss you up into the air like wheat. And God told him he could for all of you. The Bible says that God also sifts us. He sifts us to get rid of the chaff so that only good stuff remains. But Satan sifts us to get rid of the wheat. He sifts us to get rid of the good things. These guys were going to be rattled, their entire lives tossed into the air by the enemy, and God says, it's okay. Now, God granted a similar request from Satan in the Old Testament. Turn to Job chapter 1 with me. It's not the first time this happened, certainly not the last. I can summarize verses 1 through 5. Job was a godly man, and he had it really good. But when we get to verse 6, the scene changes to heaven, and there in heaven, we get a glimpse into the other side of the picture. In Job 1, 6, it says, Now, there was a day when the sons of God, the phrase sons of God is sometimes used of the angels. That's why it will call Jesus the only begotten son of God. The angels are not sons of God in the sense that they were birthed by God or whatever. It's just they, God created them. So they're called his sons. We're called that too as well. Jesus is unique. He's the only one who is exactly like God. He's the mirror image of the Father. He is the only begotten Son of God. So here we see that there was a day when the angels, they came to present themselves before the Lord. And this was all the angels, fallen and faithful. So Satan came also among them. And when the Lord saw him, he said unto him, where have you come from? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, oh, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. That's pretty casual. He didn't have the guts to tell God what he's doing walking up and down. The Bible says that our enemy, like a roaring lion, is walking up and down throughout the earth, seeking whom he may devour. That's what he was doing, seeking whom he may devour. But the father knows that. The father knows that completely. And so the Lord says unto him, well, in your endeavors to find someone to devour, have you considered my servant Job? How about him? I hope God never does that with me. Say, I'm looking for a morsel. And the Lord goes, have you thought about Will? But that's what he does with Job. Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man that fears God and eschews evil. You ever tried to attack him? And you know what Satan says? He goes, no, why would I? He says that Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Yeah, he's, a, he, he's all those things you said. I, I can't mess with him. Because, but he doesn't fear you for nothing. Have you not made a hedge about him? Why would I attack him? Satan always preys on the weak. He always hits us in our weakest moments. He's like the Amalekites who the Bible says were following behind Israel and trying to pick off their wounded or their elderly. 
That's exactly what he's like. He doesn't look for a fair fight. He's, gonna, he's not going to take you out, try to take you out on, on a day where you've had lots of the word and you've been surrounded by brothers and sisters. He's going to come and hit you when you feel alone, when you don't sense the presence of God. You've made a hedge around him and about his house and about all that he has on every side. Not only that, you've blessed the work of his hands and his substance has increased on the land. He's got it good. I can't, I can't penetrate that. But then he says in the next verse, he says, but you take all that away and he'll curse you to your face. I get, you take that away and I'll attack him. I'll get to him then. Put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He'll curse you to your face. So that's a request. And the Lord granted it. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only upon himself do not put forth your hand. You can't touch him physically. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. To what? To take out Job. Now, it's a little bit unnerving to see that we have an enemy that's so vicious like this, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's a little unnerving. But you know, we need to know the truth about him. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, I quoted it earlier, it says, Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. That's what the Bible says. He is out there trying to have you for lunch, all right? He just, it's not about just, you know, a little poke attack here, poke attack there. No, he wants to wipe you out. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, all right? There's no compassion. There, there's no mercy. There's no quarter, all right? He wants to wipe you out. So we need to understand that. Now, it is also, though, not just unnerving to know that, but it's comforting to know that he can't do a single thing to us without God's permission. That trial you're going through right now, that you're in right now, God allowed it. God gave permission for it. Now, some might say, Pastor, well, that's not comforting at all. <laughs> Why would a God of love allow a vicious enemy to rattle my life, to throw everything up in the air like this? Why would, he, why would a God of love do that? Well, sometimes it's because we're being self-willed like Peter was here. Sometimes it's to humble us so we'll be better servants. Sometimes it's to draw us closer to him because a difficult trial is the only way we'd come closer. Sometimes... Like in Job's case, it's not about you at all. Think about that just for a minute. Do we ever learn what Job learned from this? No. We don't ever learn anything that Job learned from this. People come to me all the time and they say, Pastor, well, I don't understand why I'm going through this trial, why God's allowing it. I'm not learning anything. And you know what I tell them? Maybe it's not for you. Do you know why Job went through this trial? For you and me. So we could learn these things. Now, personally, I'm not signing up for that. If they're looking for volunteers, I'd like to opt out of that. But that's why Job went through this. For us. Not for him. So sometimes it's not about you at all. Sometimes it's to help others as they watch us go through that trial. There have been so many times in my life where I'm like, God, what... I'm, just, I'm trying to understand what you're trying to grow me through this or I'm to learn about you better or understand better about myself. And lo and behold, later on, I see it's ministered to someone else. Okay. Don't want to do that again, but praise the Lord, right? The reality is the comfort is not in knowing the specific why for our lives. You will 
run circles around yourself doing that. The comfort is in the fact that God didn't allow it for our destruction. We will make it to the other side. You say, how do you know that, Pastor Will? I know that because Job made it to the other side. I know it because Peter made it to the other side. I know it because all the disciples made it to the other side of their trials. And so you will too. So don't give in to despair and frustration when the enemy's tossing you up in the air and you're just all out of sorts. You go, I don't know what God's doing right now. I don't know what to do right now. Don't give in to frustration and despair. See, when we understand that we have a vicious enemy, but that we're going to make it, then we can recognize the attack for what it is and then properly resist the enemy. After it says, we have this, be sober, be vigilant, because your enemy like a roaring lion is seeking whom he may devour, it says, whom you resist steadfast in the faith. Whom you resist steadfast in the faith. We have to be able to recognize and go, this isn't, I shouldn't be going, God, where are you? Or God, do you love me? I should be going, there's an enemy out there who wants to have me for breakfast. And so I'm going to resist him steadfast in the faith. In the faith. Not out of the faith, not doubting God and doubting his word and questioning his love, but in the faith saying, no, I know God loves me. This I don't get, but I know God loves me. So there must be an enemy out there trying to condemn me or get me off track or steal my joy or whatever it might be. So in the midst of that, I'm going to resist him steadfast in the faith by saying, it is written, Mr. Stinky Pants. (laughs) Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It is written. He's loved me with everlasting love. He'll never leave me and forsake me. It is written that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. You're not going to beat me in this. And then it goes on to say in 1 Peter 5, 9, we resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that these trials and afflictions, these difficulties, are, we're not alone. They're being accomplished in all our brethren all throughout the world. So whenever you're going, whatever you're going through right now, you're not alone in your pain. You're not alone in your frustration. You're not alone in your heartache. Others are going through something similar, if not in your sphere of influence, somewhere in the world. And others have emerged from it, just like you will. So resist the enemy with the truth and stand firm in your trust in the Lord. While Satan was granted permission to rattle all the disciples, this word is specifically for Peter. Why? Because Peter, due to his pride, would be rattled more than all of them. And so he says to him, but I have prayed for thee. That is singular in the Greek. So Satan has desired to have you, all of you, plural, that he may sift you, all of you, as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, Peter, singular, that thy, singular, Peter, your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. Listen, I prayed for you, Peter, and when you emerge from this, your rattled brothers are going to need help. I need you to, I need you to minister to them. The word there for pray, I have prayed for you. I love it because it means to ask for with urgency. This is not one of those prayers that you're going through your prayer journal and you look down and go, oh, that's right, I need to pray for Will. This is not one of those prayers. Or where you go for a few days and forget to pray for somebody and then you see him and you're like, oh, that's right, they've got that job interview coming up. Lord, please help so-and-so with the job interview. No, when it said here, I have prayed for you, to ask for with urgency, the moment that Jesus understood that God gave permission to the enemy to rattle all his disciples, he started praying for Peter. 
He started praying, God, dad, will you just, you will help him out? Will you bring him to the other side? Will you help him through this? As vicious as our enemy may be, our Lord's compassion for our trials is greater. Isn't that good to know? His compassion for our trials is far greater than our enemy's viciousness. In Hebrews 7, through 25, it tells us that Jesus, he is interceding for us evermore. It says, but by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better covenant. It's talking about the old priesthood in the Old Testament. That's why we don't have a priesthood in the New Testament, okay? We don't need a priesthood in the New Testament because the Bible says we're all a kingdom of priests. We don't need the Aaronic or Melchizedek priesthood in the New Testament. Jesus is a priesthood with one because he continues forever and doesn't need to be replaced. He doesn't need any assistance. He can do it all himself. He's better than the Old Testament priesthood of Aaron. It says here in verse 22, by so much was Jesus made the surety of a better covenant because they truly were many priests. In the Old Testament, there was lots of them because they were not allowed to continue because they died by reason of death. But this man, Jesus, he, it says, oops, he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. He doesn't need to be replaced. He doesn't need any assistance. Wherefore, because of that, He is able, capable, powerful enough also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God through him. If you're here today and you've given your life to Christ, that's you. He's able to rescue you to the uttermost. Why? Seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. You are not just some name on Jesus' prayer list. You're not an afterthought. You're not someone he forgets to pray for for a few days. When he sees a permission has been granted for you to be sifted by the enemy, he is praying for you regularly with urgency and with compassion. Romans 8, 34 says, who is he that condemns? Well, who is he that condemns? Satan, right? He's the accuser of the brethren. He says, no, rather it's Christ who died who lives forever and who makes intercession for us. So when the enemy condemns you, say, take it up with my lawyer, man. Take it up with my prayer partner because he is interceding for me. He's not condemning me. He is interceding that I'm going to overcome and get through this to the other side. Do you realize that Jesus urgently intercedes for you when the enemy has granted permission to attack you? You need to know that. God is for you when you're going, where are you, God? Where are you? He's praying for you. Now, what does Jesus pray for us? Well, that probably depends on the situation. But I do know why he prays for us. And it's the same two reasons he prayed for Peter. He says, number one, I'm praying for you in this trial, Peter, so that your faith does not fail. The word there, to fail not, it means to stop or forsake, that your faith would not stop or forsake. And what is faith? It's our trust and reliance upon the Lord. He says, Peter, I am praying for you, number one. Why? Because I don't want your trust and reliance upon the Lord to be forsaken. I don't want you to forsake your, to stop trusting and relying on the Lord. Trials are meant to strengthen us, not to destroy us right? They're not meant to destroy us. When God allows us, it's not for our destruction. It's meant to strengthen us. It's meant to grow us into better servants and to make us more like Christ. So one of the things Jesus prays is that our faith will be strengthened through that process. That's why he prays. He prays, whatever he's praying for us, that our faith will be strengthened through that process. So what do we need to do in response to that? Well, we need to let the process take place. James chapter 1, turn there with me. My dear sister was sharing this with me this week, how that's been something she's been trying to focus on is letting God 
do his thing. In James chapter 1, it says, James, verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Now, why would the 12 tribes be scattered abroad? Persecution, right? These were Jewish believers he's writing to here, James being the Lord's brother. He was the pastor of the church, senior pastor of the church of Jerusalem. He's writing to his scattered brothers in Christ, his Jewish brothers in Christ who have lost everything due to the persecution of the church. They've lost their jobs, their livelihood. They've lost family. They've lost everything they've known, their homes, everything. These are people who have it rough. And he says to them, greetings. Good to see you. Good to, good to talk to you. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Count it all joy when struggles and trials and Satan's rattling, you know, your life and it's all up in the air. Count it all joy. I don't know about you, but that's not usually my response when Satan starts to rattle me. I, I mean, when Satan starts tossing me up there and I'm, I'm not like, yeah, bring it on. It's going to be good times. That's not normally my response. I'm normally like, what are you doing, God? Where are you? I thought you loved me. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, difficulties. Why? Knowing this, that this trial, this testing of your faith, it produces patience, which is, we think of patience as learning to put up with stuff. But the word here, patience, it means endurance, perseverance. The testing of our faith through trials produces an endurance, a perseverance, a stick my first pastor used to say. So, verse 4, let patience have her complete work. Let it go all the way to the end so that you might go all the way to the end. You might be perfect, mature, and entire or complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Jesus prays for us so that we'll understand this in the midst of the attack and embrace God's purpose in allowing it. That through this, we will be more mature. Through this, we will persevere better. So that's reason number one that he prays for us, that our faith would be strengthened through that trial rather than forsaken. So he says, Peter, my prayer for you, why I'm praying for you is because I don't want your faith to get worse. I want it to get better. You know, I want you to keep moving forward. Reason number two, and when... You are converted. Notice he doesn't say if. He says, Peter, you're going to make it to the other side. You're going to get through this. It's going to be horrible, but you're going to get through it. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. The word converted means to turn around so that you're back where you were before. In other words, this is going to seriously rattle you, Peter. It's going to take you off the path you're on right now. You're on on a path following me, and this is going to rattle you big time. But when you're back where you're supposed to be, back where you were before, after this difficulty, there's work to do. I see some people, Christians, who get very bitter because of their trials. And without even realizing it, they withdraw from other believers. They withdraw from the Lord. And then the purpose of that trial, they're not able to minister to others because they don't really ever emerge from it. They do emerge from it, but they don't see that because they just think, well, God was unfair to me. God didn't love me. God allowed me to go through something that was really hard. And so they become embittered at God or bitter at the Bible or bitter at at, at just 
Christianity in general, and then they withdraw. And as a result, they can never do what Peter needs to do when he gets back on track, when he emerges from this trial. He says, when you do, strengthen your brethren. That's a command. It's not an option. It means to cause someone to become more firm in their attitude or beliefs. He said, Peter, I am targeting you right now, but remember I said earlier that Satan wants to sift all you guys? Listen, everyone's going to be rattled by Satan's attacks, Peter, not just you. But when you're back on track, you need to use your experience to help others stand on firmer ground too. You need to do that. So not only does Jesus pray for us because he wants us to get stronger in our faith, but he also understands that trials are a pathway to be used in a greater capacity later on by him. He says, Peter, if you don't go through this and emerge from it correctly, you will be limited in the capacity which I want to use you. So I need you when you emerge from this. I'm praying for you so that you will do the task I've got planned for you. Trials are a pathway to growth and greater use by God. Tribulations, trials, difficulties, the rattling that God allows Satan to do in our lives. When we emerge from those things, it leads us to a deeper understanding of God's love because it allows the Spirit of God to get a hold of our hearts in a greater way to the point where the Spirit who is love and whose fruit is love, we get a greater understanding of God. And as a result, we can help others understand God's love better when we've come through one of those trials. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.